For you as a Christian, if you are a parent and your children have not yet married, what can be more important to you than having your child marry a mate who is chosen by God for that child? How do you do that? Well, I would think that what we would do in the New Testament church would be pray and put our trust in God. And if we are able to really trust that God will provide for that child and bring the proper mate to the child, then I believe it'll be done. We have an example in the Bible of Abraham before he died wanting to provide a mate for his son Isaac, who was the child promised to him by God. Sarah, Abraham's wife, had already died. Abraham called his manservant and gave him the following instructions. Genesis 24, verse 2, And Abram said unto his eldest servant of his house that ruled over all that he had, Put, I pray thee, thy hand under my thigh, and I will make thee swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of the earth, that thou shalt not take a wife unto my son of the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell. But thou shalt go unto my country and to my kindred and take a wife unto my son Isaac. So in this case, the chief servant of Abraham was sent to bring a wife back for Isaac. And the servant said unto Abraham, Peradventure the woman will not be willing to follow me unto this land? Must I needs bring thy son again unto the land from whence thou camest? And Abraham said unto him, Beware that thou bring not my son thither again. Don't take him back to the land I came from, but bring the wife from that land. And Abraham spoke a word of faith to the servant. Verse 7, The Lord God of heaven, which took me from my father's house and from the land of my kindred, and which spoke unto me, and that swear unto me, saying, Unto thy seed will I give this land, and he shall send his angel before thee, and thou shalt take a wife unto my son from hence. Abraham had very strong grounds for faith in God in this situation, and he stated those grounds. Notice that verse 7 very closely. The Lord God of heaven, which took me from my father's house and from the land of my kindred, and which spake unto me, and that swear unto me, saying, 
Unto thy seed will I give this land. He shall send his angel before thee, and thou shalt take a wife unto my son from thence. In the New Testament church, when we pray according to the will of God, that prayer will be answered. How do you know the will of God in the subject about which you are praying? Do you have strong grounds upon which you can base your prayer? First, let's look at this section in 1 John chapter 5 concerning prayer. It's verses 14 and 15 of 1 John chapter 5. And this is the confidence that we have in him, in God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he hear us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. In the year 2019, I moved from Texas to Colorado. I put my house in Texas up for sale. The house did not sell. A year and a half passed before the house actually sold. It was very hard during that time. I turned to God many times and asked him to bring the correct buyer to that house. Upon what did I base my faith? Well, in 2018, I fell at that house and broke a left hip and broke a left wrist. And as the ambulance workers rolled me on a gurney past the front door of that house, I heard a word from God. You'll never see this house again. I believed that word. I put the house up for sale even from the hospital. I moved directly from a rehab hospital to Colorado where I was to live. But the house hadn't sold and the coronavirus hit in March 2020 in the United States. Big time, we realized this coronavirus was something very different. And here I'm sitting there in the middle of a pandemic Who's going to buy a house with all the uncertainty? So I turned to God and I prayed. Is there anything I can do about that house in Texas? Is there anything you want me to do? It'd been on the market for more than a year. And I heard a word from God. Put the house on sale for one week at a special price and lower the price of the house. I did that and the house sold in two days. I always knew it was the will of God for the house to sell. If we pray according to the will of God, it will be done. I knew it was the will of God because I'd heard in 2018 these words, you'll never see this house again. Well, it doesn't make any sense at all that I'm going to have a house in Texas, which I will never see again. So that was my foundation of faith to pray the prayer that the house would sell. 
Well, Abraham did the same thing here. This is an example for us. He set a foundation to send the servant out to bring back the wife for his son Isaac, the son of the promise. That foundation for that action that Abraham is taking, the action of faith, his foundation is in verse 7. The Lord God of heaven, which took me from my father's house and from the land of my kindred, and which spake unto me, and that swear unto me, saying, Unto thy seed will I give this land. He shall send his angel before thee, and thou shalt take a wife unto my son from thence. It was so important that the right wife be given to his son Isaac, because God had told Abraham that he would make him a father of many nations, and that if he could count the stars, then his seed would be produced as the number of the stars, that many, if he were able to count the stars. It would be like the sand on the seashore. It would be so great. Well, he had to have an heir. So God gave him Isaac. Now Abraham is getting ready to die, and Isaac needs a wife. So he has strong grounds to take this action. He knew that that wife could not come from the daughters of Canaan, where he lived. He had to get a wife for Isaac from his lands where he had come from, from his father's house. So this is his strong basis for the action he took, the action of faith in sending this servant. And Abraham, by verse 7, presented to the servant a basis for faith for him to act upon this. And each time the servant spoke of God, he spoke of him as the God of Abraham because it looks like the servant wasn't actually, that wasn't his God yet, but he honored Abraham in a way which gives you great hope for the servant also. Verse 10, And the servant took ten camels of the camels of his master and departed. For all the goods of his master were under the hands of his servant. And he arose and went into Mesopotamia to the city of Nahor. And the servant made his camels to kneel down without the city by a well of water at the time of the evening, even the time that women go out to draw water. And he said, the servant said, O Lord God of my master Abraham, I pray thee, send me good speed this day and show kindness unto my master Abraham. Behold, I stand here by the well of water, and the daughters of the men of the city come out to draw water. And let it come to pass that the damsel to whom I shall say, Let down thy pitcher, I pray thee, that I may drink. And she shall say, Drink, and I will give thy camels drink also. 
Let the same be she that thou hast appointed for thy servant Isaac, and thereby shall I know that thou hast showed kindness unto my master. A woman who gave him water to drink, and not only gave him water to drink, but his camel's water to drink. That was a big, big job. He had taken ten camels with him. A woman who acted like that, who was kind to both strangers and kind to beast of the stranger, that woman had a lot going for her. Several years ago, one of our church members had a son who was 50 years old. He was twice divorced. He had no children by his previous wives. He wanted to remarry. He wanted to have children even at the age of 50. And his mother told me this. A twice-divorced man who is a man of the world and not a man of God. What hope does he have? I told the mother this, and I felt this counsel was from God. Tell him that a woman who would have sex with him before marriage would not be a suitable wife. See what happens. And of course, she was praying for God to help him. Sometimes you have to set up a few rules along the way for somebody to follow. Genesis 24. And it came to pass before he had done speaking, the servant, that behold, Rebekah came out, who was born to Bethuel, the son of Melchah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, with her pitcher upon her shoulder. Rebekah came to the well to draw water. And the damsel was very fair to look upon, a virgin, neither had any man known her, and she went down to the well and filled her pitcher and came up. And Abraham's servant ran to meet her and said, Let me, I pray thee, drink a little water of thy pitcher. And she said, Drink, my lord. And she hasted and let down her pitcher upon her hand and gave him drink. Verse 19. And when she had done giving him drink, she said, I will draw water for thy camels also until they have done drinking. That's exactly what the servant set up with God. The woman that gives me drink and also gives drink to my camels. Let that be Isaac's wife. So he had the woman right here. She considered both man and beast. And she hastened and emptied her pitcher into the trough and ran again unto the well to draw water and drew for all his camels. He had taken ten camels with him. She went immediately to take care of this, these animals. As soon as she had taken care of the man, she went immediately and took care of the animals. That showed a diligence and integrity, a kindness and thoughtfulness toward beasts that had no way of providing for themselves. These characteristics she showed 
were very strong. Verse 21, And the man wondering at her held his peace, to wit, whether the Lord had made his journey prosperous or not. And it came to pass, as the camels had done drinking, that the man took a golden earring of half a shekel weight and two bracelets for her hand and ten shekels weight of gold and said, Whose daughter art thou? Tell me, I pray thee, is there room in their father's house for us to lodge in? And she said unto him, I am the daughter of Bethuel, the son of Melchah, which she bare unto Nahor. And she said moreover unto him, We have both straw and provender enough and room to lodge in. And the man bowed down his head and worshipped the Lord. Now apparently he did this in front of Rebekah. As soon as she said that, and the man bowed down his head and worshipped the Lord. And he said, Blessed be the Lord God of my master Abraham, who hath not left destitute my master of his mercy and his truth. I being in the way the Lord led me to the house of my master's brethren. And the damsel ran and told them of her mother's house those things, told them of her mother's house the things that had happened to her. And Rebekah had a brother, his name was Laban. And Laban ran out unto the man, unto the well. And it came to pass when he saw the earring and the bracelets upon his sister's hands, and when he heard the words of Rebekah, his sister, saying, Thus spake the man unto me, that he, Laban, came unto the man, and behold, he stood by the camels at the well. And he, Laban, said, Come in, thou blessed of the Lord. Wherefore standest thou without? For I have prepared the house and room for the camels. And the man, the servant of Abraham, came into Laban's house, and he ungirded his camels, and gave straw and provender for the camels, and water was given to wash his feet and the men's feet that were with him. And there was set meat before him to eat, but he said, I will not eat until I have told mine errand. Abraham's servant acted with urgency and with honor in his assigned task. And Laban said, Speak on. And he said, I am Abraham's servant, and the Lord hath blessed my master greatly, and he is become great, and he hath given him flocks and herds, and silver and gold, and men servants, and maid servants, and camels, and asses. Abraham's servant is telling Laban that Abraham is blessed by God and has become a great man, and God has given him 
all of these animals. And he is a very great man. And the servant said, And Sarah, my master's wife, bare a son to my master when she was old, and unto him hath he given all that he hath. And my master made me swear, saying, Thou shalt not take a wife to my sons of the daughters of the Canaanites, in whose land I dwell. But thou shalt go unto my father's house, and to my kindred, and take a wife for my son. And I said to my master, Peradventure the woman will not follow me. And he said unto me, The Lord before whom I walk will send his angel with thee, and prosper thy way. And thou shalt take a wife for my son of my kindred and of my father's house. If she will not go with you, then you will be cleared from the oath. Abraham made a great statement of faith to his servant. Now his servant makes the statement of faith to Laban, who is the brother of Rebekah. So this shows Laban that this man is of God and this venture is of God. Verse 42. The servant is going to go over all of these circumstances with Laban. If you don't tell people what's happened that's from God, how are they going to know? How are they going to know that you're from God? Of course, they could by the Spirit wherein you speak. But it, it's very, very good to share truth from God, what God has said, what has actually happened. This is very good to share this with other people. It builds your faith in God. It allows them to see God working through you. Verse 42, so the servant says, I came this day unto the well, and I said, O Lord, God of my master Abraham, if now thou do prosper the way which I go, behold, I stand by the well of water, and it shall come to pass that when the virgin cometh forth to draw water, and I say to her, Give me, I pray thee, a little water of thy pitcher to drink. And she say to me, Both drink thou, and I will also draw for thy camels. Let the same woman whom the Lord hath appointed out for my master's son. And before I had done speaking in my heart to God, behold, Rebekah came forth with her pitcher on her shoulder, and she went down into the well, unto the well, and drew water. And I said unto her, let me drink, I pray thee. And she made haste and let down her pitcher from her shoulder and said, Drink, and I will give thy camels drink also. So I drank, and she made the camels drink also. Everything was lining up for this young woman to be the one that God had chosen to be the wife of Isaac. 
And I asked her and said, Whose daughter art thou? And she said, I am the daughter of Bethuel, Nahor's son, whom Milcah bare unto him. And I put the earring on her face and the bracelets upon her hands. And I bowed down my head and worshipped the Lord and blessed the Lord God of my master Abraham, which had led me in the right way to take my master's brother's daughter unto his son. Then the servant of Abraham said to Laban, And now if you will deal kindly and truly with my master, tell me. And if not, tell me, that I may turn to the right hand or to the left. Then Laban and Bethel answered and said, The thing proceedeth from the Lord. We cannot speak unto thee bad or good. Behold, Rebekah is before thee. Take her and go, and let her be thy master's son's wife, as the Lord hath spoken. And it came to pass that when Abraham's servant heard their words, he worshipped the Lord, bowing himself to the earth. I wish we had such openness today as we speak about God showing the signs that we believe in God, giving the words as to what has happened. Why are we so close today? It it just makes you glory in what the servant did and the way he handled this matter. Verse 53. And the servant brought forth jewels of silver and jewels of gold and raiment, and gave them to Rebekah. He gave also to her brother and to her mother precious things. And they did eat and drink, he and the men that were with him, and tarried all night. And they rose up in the morning, and the servant said, Send me away to my master. I mean, my work is done. The assignment is over. Everything is settled. Let me go to my master. And her brother and her mother said, Let the damsel abide with us a few days, at the least ten. After that she shall go. Now this servant is very wise in the next thing he says. And he, Abraham's servant, said unto them, Hinder me not, seeing the Lord has prospered my way. Send me away that I may go to my master. And they said, We will call the damsel and inquire at her mouth. And they called Rebekah, and they said unto her, Wilt thou go with this man? And she said, I will go. Rebecca had seen the godliness of this situation. She had seen the servant worship God in front of her face when he found her. She knew this was of God. How can you fail if you know the way is ordained by God? So Rebecca didn't hesitate to go. 
Verse 59, And they sent away Rebekah, their sister, and her nurse, and Abraham's servant, and his men. And they blessed Rebekah, and said unto her, Thou art our sister, be thou mother of thousands of millions, and let thy seed possess the gate of those which hate them. And Rebekah arose and her damsels, and they rode upon the camels and followed the man, and the servant took Rebekah and went his way. Verse 62, And Isaac came from the way of the well, for he had dwelt in the south country. And Isaac went out to meditate in the fields at eventide. And he lifted up his eyes and saw, and behold, the camels were coming. And Rebekah lifted up her eyes, and when she saw Isaac, she lighted off the camel in honor and respect to Isaac. For she had said unto the servant, What man is this that walketh in the field to meet us? And the servant said, It is my master. Therefore she took a veil and covered herself. And the servant told Isaac all things that he had done. And Isaac brought Rebekah into his mother Sarah's tent. Now his mother had already died. And he took Rebekah and she became his wife. And he loved her. And Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. The Apostle Paul shows us this truth. At the time of sexual intercourse, the two became one flesh. In the case of Isaac, he brought her into his mother's tent. He took her, he had sexual intercourse with her, and she became his wife. At the time of sexual intercourse, the two become one flesh. Now, Paul shows us that in 1 Corinthians 6. In 1 Corinthians 6, Paul is warning the young men not to have sex with a prostitute. Because if you have sex with a prostitute, the two become one flesh. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6, verse 15, Know ye not that your bodies are the members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them the members of an harlot? God forbid. What? Know ye not that he that is joined to an harlot is one body? For two, saith God, shall be one flesh. This should be something you teach your sons and your daughters. At the time of sexual intercourse, you become one flesh. I know a story of a Baptist woman as a young teenager at the Baptist church. She signed a vow that she would not have sex before marriage. She had sex before marriage and became pregnant. She married the man and then had another child by this man, divorced and married another man. The vow she made by signing the pledge at the Baptist church basically meant nothing. But if they had been teaching this at the Baptist church, at the time of sexual intercourse, the two become one flesh. 
that might have been strong enough to stop her. I think it is the only thing, really, that stops the young person from sexual intercourse outside of marriage. This concept that at the time of sexual intercourse, the two become one flesh. Of course, God can stop it. But for them to stop it themselves is a tremendous thing to ask of them if they don't understand the concept. If they know verse 15 and 16 of 1 Corinthians 6, they have a basis upon which to make a decision. But to just tell them it's a sin, that's not going to work in most cases. But if you would teach this to your young people, I think they would have something to stand on. Marriage is honorable, but fornication for the New Testament church is not honorable. Therefore, Paul warns us as follows. 1 Corinthians 6, 18. Flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. This is a sin that is different from every other sin. We should understand this. We should teach our young people 1 Corinthians 6, verses 15 through 18. We should warn both the young men and the young women and teach them this concept that at the time of sexual intercourse, you become one flesh, even if it's sex with a prostitute. And it is a sin against your own body. It's a sin different from all other sins. This should be taught to your young people. While there are no examples in the Bible of marriage ceremonies, the following scriptures certainly provide information as to the vow that should come in the marriage today. Jesus says, From the beginning of the creation, God created them male and female. Mark chapter 10. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. And they twain shall be one flesh. So then they are no more twain, but one flesh. So how do you divorce when you're one flesh? What is it that separates one flesh? Death? And that's exactly what the Bible teaches. That if by death you are separated, you are free to remarry. So, until death do you part is a correct term, provided you understand the scriptural basis, which is strong enough to hold the person to the scriptures when he is of God. And they twain shall be one flesh, so then they are no more twain but one flesh. Then Jesus says, What therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. At the time of sexual intercourse, God causes them to be one flesh, joining them together.
Other things that should be taught concerning marriage. Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. And the Lord God said, It is not good that a man should be alone. I will make him and help me for him. The wife is created for the man. The man, it's not that the man is created to serve the wife. The wife is created for the man. And it says in verse 21, And the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. And God took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man to be the helpmeet of the man. That's the way it was created by God. Some women will say, oh, but I'm not fulfilled. Well, they are very foolish. They don't understand this is the blessing. If you stay where God has placed you, you are blessed. Verse 23, And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. Prior to the marriage, both the man and the woman should be instructed on each of the above scriptures which I've just read to you. And the following roles ordained by God are also very important for both the man and the woman to understand before marriage. Genesis chapter 3. Because of the transgression of Adam and Eve, God put a penalty upon generations of all men and all women. Genesis chapter 3 verse 16 Unto the woman, God said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy, in thy conception. In sorrow thou, sh thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. And unto Adam, God said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree, of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. Verse 19 is very important. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread. The man was ordained to work. In the sweat of thy face thou shalt eat bread, till thou return unto the ground. For out of it wast thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. These are ordinations by God. For men and women, they should be taught to young men and young women before marriage and even 
if they're not taught then, certainly when they become Christians, real Christians born again by the Spirit of God, they should be taken to these scriptures and instructed by these scriptures. Certainly a woman might work outside the home if her husband is in agreement with this. But if her husband disagrees and wants her to stay home and care for the children, and she wants to go out and fulfill herself by working out in the world, she brings the penalty upon herself and her family by doing this, by going against her husband. But he may want her to work, and she might want to work. That's another matter. But to go against your husband is a very serious matter because it is ordained by God that he rule over you and that your desire be to please him. So if you understand these things before you marry, you would be so much better off. As far as parents, do you have faith to pray asking God to choose the right mate for your child? Do you have that faith? Your faith has to be strong enough before you pray that. And then to pray asking God to teach you to love the mate of that child properly. Continuing in prayer as to your own role in godliness toward the mate and your child after the marriage. This is certainly a choice I would want God to make. And I would know that I would have to have God teach me to be able to do what is right in the sight of God. Thank you for allowing me to speak this to you today.